Good evening. Thanks for tuning in tonight. This is the lineup, and we're coming to you live from the Athletic Sports Group Studios here in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm Rick Goff. I'm your host for this evening, joined by my producer and co-host for the evening, Anthony Grassi. Anthony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back on the main stage, Rick. I got to be honest, I'm, I'm coming to you guys with a heavy heart tonight, and uh, the show might be a little tough for me to get through in the beginning, so I appreciate your patience and your understanding. I got news before we came out of the air. I lost a close and dear friend of mine, Chris Elliott, uh, to a battle with COVID-19. And the news came down a few hours ago. Uh, Chris was a, a wonderful, wonderful human being, a great friend, a great father, coach, teacher, uh, any adjectives that you can use to describe this man, Anthony, is, is, doesn't do him justice. You know, it's, it's hard for me to, to go through this, um, but I know Chris's love for baseball and his passion for youth sports. Um, he would uh, appreciate the fact that we are going on with the show tonight and moving forward. Chris... Um, was a uh, baseball coach himself. He coached the Flat Rock Rams out of southeastern Michigan. Flat Rock High School, he led into a state championship in 2001. He was also a basketball coach. He was an official. He was an umpire. I mean, the man was an absolute legend in Monroe County, southeastern Michigan. He would always have time to talk to you, no matter what the sport was. Um... He was also an avid sports card collector, as I am. So we, we discussed that at great lengths on many, many occasions. I saw him when I was back in Michigan six, eight weeks ago. We were at a local card shop in downtown Monroe. And I stopped in just for a minute. Chris was there. And next thing you know, I ended up spending an hour and a half there sitting in this card shop talking to Chris. Uh, his son, one of his sons, he has twin boys. One of them was with him. And uh, we just just chatted. It was almost like it was a, like a barbershop environment. And I'll miss those talks. I'll miss his infectious smile, his great outlook on life. Um, he leaves behind his wife and three kids. My heart goes out to them, all of his friends and family. Um, Chris will be missed. He was a big Buckeye fan like I was. So one last time, Chris. Go Bucks and OH. All right. Thank you for allowing me to do that. Let's begin the evening with our recap from the weekend. We had a couple of teams that had some good weekends over the, over the past few days. We're going to talk about one of them right now. TBS number 17 ranked 12U team, the Southern Madison Sluggers. They went 3-0 on Sunday to take home the victory in the championship, outscoring their opponents 22-10. So congratulations to the Southern Madison Sluggers, our preseason number 17, 12U ranked team. Uh, another team that we want to mention is our number 11, I'm sorry, our number 3 11U team. I've done this before. 
Our number three 11-year-old team, Backyard Ballers Black, out of Texas, they actually challenged themselves, and they played up in the 12-year-old division this weekend down in Texas, going a perfect 5-0 and and winning that age group. So congratulations to Backyard Ballers on challenging themselves to, to playing up in the age group. And Anthony, I got to tell you, um, when I see teams like that take that step and, and kind of get out of their comfort zone and their shell and challenge the boys, that's impressive. One will stand out when we come back around to doing rankings again. It, it's not something they have to do, but you know, taking that risk almost if you're focused on just the, you know, the record and the numbers uh, to go out and play against guys older than you in a different place at It'll make an impact on us when we start looking at all that stuff later in the year. Yeah, and when teams do that, um, I mean, there's a couple of different approaches. Even back when I was coaching, when you get to those, those even ages, <coughs> excuse me, when you get to those ages that you can play up and still not change dimensions, right? So 9 and 10, you play the same dimensions. 11 and 12 play the same dimensions. So there's always that fine line when you're an 11-year-old team and you're, and you're pretty good, as, as the backyard ballers are, if you stay in your own age group, you run the risk of sometimes going into a tournament and not being challenged or not, you know, um, being able to do what you want to do. I mean, a lot of these coaches at this age and this level, they have a plan. They want to get so many kids into pitching. They want to get some lineup changes. They want to give some kids some new opportunities to play in different positions. And that's not always possible when you do that. So your other option is to play up. You play up. Now you're in com- close competitive games, and at the end of the day, that w- that's what makes you better. Exactly, yeah. And if you're playing those, there's always a chance that you show up to an event and you know you far out match the competition, or just things happen to go your way. You get a lot of sure lucky bounces, and you end up not having to or not being able to get a lot of guys the opportunities at all the positions that you want. So that when it comes later in the year, um, when teams are at the TBS Nationals. Uh, they won't have as much experience under their belt. Yeah, and, you know, I I tell this to teams all the time, and sometimes people look at me funny, but actually losing is good for you just as much as winning is. You know, it it builds character. It teaches you certain things on how to to react, and it teaches you to be a good teammate. It teaches you to be supportive. It teaches you, you know, a lot of things. You can lose with grace. So when you you go up and and play an age, up in age, against 12-year-olds, you know, that has a possibility of happening. And uh, when we did it back when I was coaching, um, the, the, the better teams are still going to have a great deal of success at that next level playing up. Now, they're not going to be as dominant as they are on their age level, but they're going to have a good amount of success. So congratulations to those guys in any teams, not just the ballers. I mean, a lot of your top level teams do that periodically throughout the year. They go out there and they challenge themselves and play up. And even it still happens from 10 to 11, even though there's a base change, base dimensions, pitching dimensions, they still do it. Um, kind of show the kids, kind of get them a preview of what's what's going to happen. Yeah, we talked about that last week or a couple of weeks ago about doing the same kind of deal for 12s and 13s, um, whether the 12s should just make that change at the high level. But I imagine yeah. even though the field dimensions change, a lot of 12s are probably certain weekends playing up at 13 just to – for all the reasons, yeah, for all the reasons you mentioned, and to get the guys ready for the next year. Not as popular at that age group, but it still happens. Um, so congratulations again to our number 17, 12-year-old team, South, uh, Southern Madison Sluggers, and our 11-year-old 
number three team, Backyard Ballers Black, which both will be at the TBS Nationals come June. Um, and, you know, we're going to have to do a show on that preview for some of these age groups here pretty soon. Because that 12-year-old division, folks, if you haven't seen that 12-year-old division, go to tbsnationals.com and, and take a look at that list for 12U. I'm telling you, it is the best 12-year-old tournament in the entire country. Um, if you're a good 12-year-old team, you need to be in Kentucky. It's a place to be. Yeah, it's a place to be. Uh, so before we go on any further, I want to remind you that we are still taking uh, submissions for our top plays of April, which that show will be two weeks from tonight. We'll do our top 10 plays from April. You can send those submissions via email to the lineup at athletics.com. Send those clips in and we'll go through them and we will have the top 10 show two weeks from tonight. All right. While we're doing the recap, I've decided that we are going to, quote unquote, we're going to adopt a Major League Baseball player for the year. And we're going to give a lineup update, recap, uh, about what he does every week from from here on out. And we've decided that we're going to adopt Jacob DeGrom. Good old Jacob. Yeah, we, you and I have had multiple conversations about DeGrom and uh, him within the Mets organization, which, you know, everybody's got their own opinion on them, um, and his potential success for this calendar season well he pitched since our last show and we highlighted him on his last show about what he has absolutely done and and come up on the short end of the stick he pitched again one more time since our last show and he faced the rockies six innings he gave up three hits three runs but zero were earned they scored all the runs uh through errors i think they made two errors in an inning and they put up three runs and the next thing you know, old Jacob DeGrom is staring down a 3 nothing deficit. Again, no help from his offense. And just when it looks like he's going to be snake, bit, snake bitten one more time. Go three for three to start the year. <laughs> three for three to start the year. His offense steps in and finally helps him out. Scores two runs in the top of the seventh. And they pull out the 4-3 to three victory to give Jacob his first win of the year. Oh, I forgot to mention, in six innings, he struck out 14 batters. So I'm pretty good at basic math here, Anthony. And six, if he pitches six innings, that's three outs an inning. That's 18 possible outs. A lot of guys sitting back down. And Jacob sends 14 of them back to the dugout. Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy stat line for a guy to start the year. One for two, or one for one. Um, no, one for two uh, with... A 0.45 ERA. 0.45. He's, that's got to lead the majors. Which is just disgusting. That's got to lead the majors. So he's, he's, he's got a one-on-one record with one no decision right, with yes. a 0.45 ERA. Yeah, he's got 20 innings pitched and 35 strikeouts. <laughs> so we're, we're going to adopt Jacob DeGrom on the show. We're going to do an update for him every week to, to let you guys know exactly – what he has or, or what his team has not been doing. Um, and I told you when the show started, we did our predictions, I told you he would win 20. He should be 3-0. and He should. He leads the majors in ERA and the guy behind him at 
is none other than San Diego Padres pitcher Joe Musgrove. Joe who Musgrove, who threw the no hitter. A couple weeks, so threw a no hitter. No big deal. So he is, he is really close. I mean, he, look at this. He is this close to being 0-1 on the season with two no decisions. If they don't score two in the top of the seventh, and that was a shortened game, by the way. The, the Major League Baseball rule now has, now has the doubleheader seven-inning format. So they put two up in the top of the seventh. They shut him down in the bottom of the seventh to get the win. Or he's that close from being 0-1 three games in the season with a .45 ERA. Yeah, I don't know if that's been done before. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be done again. Hopefully it won't because I would not wish that on my worst enemy. That's amazing. And we talked about it last week. Is how much longer is he going to, to put up with this? You know, I mean, he's got to be frustrated. Frustration has to set in at some I point. I imagine he is, but... I guess you can be a little frustrated if there's enough money in the bank. What more can he do? What more can he do? He struck out 14 of the 18. So they they put a few balls in play. They made errors. He's down three nothing. I mean, he's he, you know it, it's got to start weighing on you. You got you think I, he thinks about it. It's got to sit back there, and just in the back of his head as he's walking back out there every time. Maybe maybe I can put in a call to the Mets and they'll set up an interview and we can talk to him. What do you think that that chances of that happening i think our odds are quite long yeah, they're but, probably uh, quite long they're probably about the same odds as having a point four five era and going <laughs> having no wins <laughs> that's a great point that's a great point well you know what the old saying is you don't know until you try so that's true maybe we'll put that on our list or something to do later on this week all right let's get on to the next one. Oh boy this one this one set the travel baseball world upside down on saturday um, without even the intention of doing so, but uh, we refer to it here as the bus. Yes, the almighty bus. And we're not talking about Jerome Bettis, the former Pittsburgh Steeler running back. We're not talking about him. We are talking about the Canes Midwest from Indianapolis, Indiana, and their means of transportation to get their 12-year-old team to a tournament in Elizabethtown, Kentucky this weekend. And there you see the picture on the screen of a bus they have converted into their personal team bus. That thing rolled up to the park on Saturday, and it had everybody buzzing. There was people out there taking pictures. They were standing in front of it. Uh, Kids got a real kick out of it. Not just the, the Canes themselves, but opposing teams, different age groups. They all got a kick out of this bus. And... So we posted a picture on on Travel Ball Select social media about the bus. And my question was simply is, you know, how did your 12-year-old team arrive to the game this week? (laughs) You know, personally, I think this is a very cool thing um, for the Canes to do for these 12-year-olds. And and before you guys bombard me with all these negative comments, and we got quite a few of them on the Travel Ball Select page, but there was also quite a few of them that that took it in stride. You know, when I asked the question, what did you arrive in? I got some very, very funny answers. Uh, My favorite one came from uh, a viewer that put up a picture of uh, Jed Clampett and the Beverly Hillbillies and their automobile. (laughs) And he said he came with Grandpa and Grandpa today, so That's that one way. made me chuckle. I don't remember who posted it, but if you're listening, thank you for that. It made me laugh. Um, but I think this is it's good for the kids. 
You know, let's let them have a little fun. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with a little fun, especially when we are dealing with youth ba- youth baseball, as we always like to come back to. We yeah. all, it, it, it can get lost in the shuffle very easily with uh, everything that goes on in a day, week, month uh, season, but it's fun. Let me let me it's give you. A little, <laughs> I mean, let me give you a little background on the bus. So the bus is actually designed for the high school kids when they go out of town. You know, you've got kids, you're talking about 16, 17 years old. Mom and dad don't want them driving to Texas or Kentucky or Georgia or wherever they're going in their own personal vehicle, right? So they they meet up, they get on this bus, and then they travel to wherever they're going. It's for the high school kids. Well, we're in April right now, and these high school kids are playing high school baseball. They're not traveling right now. So they have an opportunity to, to loan this bus, I, that's not even the right word, but allow teams to use this bus on a weekend when they go travel somewhere semi-local. I mean, they're from Indianapolis. They drove to Elizabethtown, Kentucky. It was probably a couple-hour drive. Yeah, it's probably a three-hour drive. Three tops. Three tops. Boys got a great experience out of it. They loved it. And next or this coming weekend i'm sure that bus will maybe be with a 10 year old team or a 13 year old team and wherever they go it's not like the 12 year old team uses it every it's not like it's the 12 year old team bus. it's not the 12 year old (laughs) team bus right it's not the 12 year old team bus As a lot of people probably got the impression when a we posted it with that and b you know if you're if you were down at the e-town sports park this weekend and you saw a bunch of 12 year olds roll out of that thing you probably were had a little head tilt and were like oh what exactly is going on here? Well, head tilting is a mild way to put it. And I, I saw a bus, oh man, this was probably seven or eight years ago. There was a team that come up out of Texas, and they were called the Longhorns. Uh, I think they were 11, but that's how they came from Texas to the Nationals in Georgia is they had their own personal bus. It was wrapped, and they pulled up to the park in Georgia, and, and but parents got off of it the players got off of it it was no different than this canes bus it was a probably a a, a greyhound bus that was put out of service and they took it over and made it their team bus and it was kind of neat back then so i've seen this model before it was uh uh, it was pretty cool I, i you know i'm pretty sure the uh the kids got a real big kick out of it I didn't get a chance to talk to the kids. I, I, I wanted to, but, man, they were on a mission. They marched right off the bus, went to their batting cages, did their business, and uh, went to the field and played. So didn't really want to inter- interfere with them or, inter- you know, kind of pull them away from what they were doing. And so it was neat, unique for the kids. And, you know, people keep asking, well, what did they do over the weekend? You know, how did they play? And, listen, they played extremely well. They played very well. Unfortunately, it wasn't their weekend, and they and they did lose in the playoffs on Sunday. But that's not to take anything away from the experience and what they did. And you know, you, you see people making negative comments on their on, on the Facebook page, and I'm thinking to myself, why? I mean, what difference does it make to you if they're riding in a bus or or not? I don't know. You know, it, it's it's listen. I can tell you this. If their kid was on that bus, they would think it was the greatest thing ever. Greatest thing since sliced bread. Greatest I know thing. I would. Yeah. If I was 12, rolling up to a tournament on the weekend, why not? 
Another funny comment we got from one of the viewers, and again, these people took it in stride, right? So they played along with the, what did your team arrive in this week? One of the posters put a, a picture of a normal high school bus that your high school varsity teams travel into week from week. And he mentioned something, and I'm paraphrasing here, is like, well, how are the kids gonna react to this bus? <laughs> When they're used to the, when they're used to the comfort of a of a charter bus, right? Yeah, when they got a regular school bus. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I thought that was that was uh, kind of funny. So kudos to everybody that played along this weekend with their comments. I appreciate that. That's kind of what I was going for. Um, and the people that were negative, don't take it too 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 seriously. You know, it's it's all in good fun. Yeah, they're still kids. They're still kids. Let them enjoy it. You know, and and I got news for you. The people that are probably following the, the Travel Ball Select page, they're probably on high-level travel teams. Well, you know, you're talking about those kids being on a bus, and I'm sure there's some people back in your neighborhood that are talking about you even being on a, a select team and paying all this money to travel all over the Everybody, country. Yeah, it depends on where you're sitting, I guess. It's all levels, right? <laughs> there's levels to it, yeah. Right, it, it's it's all levels about, you know, what you're doing and how, how you're looking at things from – from 10,000 feet. Yeah, I guess I understand the, the initial reaction, which is probably what a lot of people's was if they are just scrolling through the Facebook feed and seeing this was thinking that it was just the 12 year old teams. And I know I thought the same thing when I first saw it, but then I was like, ah, I've heard that team name before. I've seen them around. There's no way it's just for this one team. I, I wasn't familiar with the high school team, but I figured they had a whole bunch of teams at a whole bunch of different levels. Um, and obviously the Canes organization is fairly large um sure what a great what a great recruiting tool though right oh, you aren't kidding you I mean, are not kidding at all <laughs> hey you know come and join us and you know you get a ride on the bus ride in style you get a ride in style right on the bus and now i i did not get a chance to actually go on the bus and look at it but i i did uh i had to go get something out of my car and i walked by it you could tell that the seats inside this bus were custom they had the Canes logo in the headrest. They were pitch dark black seats with the yellow C in, in each individual headrest. So they put some money into that bus. That's for sure. I bet. Yeah. So, you know, it was fun for the boys. You know, we'll leave it at that. They, they enjoyed it. Everybody got a kick out of it, watching it pull up in the parking lot. And here comes the kids getting out of it. You know, I mean, I sent you that picture. I sent it to you and Matt on Saturday when it happened. I mean, you opened up my text message and looked at it. I mean, what was the first thing that you thought about? That I was at a high school event? <laughs> did you think that? My first thing was, how much did that cost? <laughs> I think that was Matt's uh, same sentiment, right? Because he's like, how, what, what did he say? Something about the, the bottom line or the budget? What's the budget for that look like? <laughs> I think it was something like that, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, leave it, leave it to Matt. Always thinking about money, right? He's, always. No, he doesn't, doesn't look at it for what it, just a small picture that it's worth. It's, it's about money. But I don't know where the bus is going to be this week. Um, you know, maybe they're coming to a, to a town near you and, and you'll get to see, you know, what the bus is all about. But it was a lot of fun. It was a big talk on social media, on Instagram, and on our Facebook page. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of people had different thoughts on it, so we'll we'll leave it at that. We had a lot of fun with it, and and I was glad to see everybody engaged in the uh, the post as well, and uh, the the Canes 12U Midwest team. So we don't know who the bus is going to this weekend, but we'll 
If we find out, we'll be sure to share it with you. All right. Um, we'll go on to the next topic here. This A few days ago was Jackie Robinson Day in Major League Baseball, which is probably my absolute most favorite day in all of Major League Sports as an individual sport day. They honor Jackie Robinson, every team, everybody knows this, they wear the 42 jersey, every player does, and they honor him for his um, commitment to baseball, him breaking down the barriers in Major League Baseball. Every player, well, I won't say every player because that might not be true, but almost every player says thank you to Jackie for making it possible for them to play in the major leagues, what he did, how he handled himself. Uh, I'm sure everybody has seen the movies that depicting all of this. But, um, you know, what's, what's your thoughts on Jackie and, and what he means today's – how important is it? It's important. It's changed the fabric of the sport as a whole. I mean, that's it's, a good way to put it. Yeah, it's, that's that's the word I was looking for. He changed the fabric of the sport. Yeah, it was revolutionary. Yeah, and we it's easy to forget the context and the importance and the significance and even just how long ago it was. Um, I mean, we always see the photos of Jackie Robinson in black and white, which makes us think that there was all this time ago it was in another millennium, but. I guess it technically was, but I mean, well, for us it was, yeah, yeah. For sure. But it's 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 it is hard to put into words the impact on and what he had to go through, even more so the trials and tribulations that he had to go through, and he could have very easily just quit, and most people probably would have. But, you know, he had some teammates that stepped up and supported him, and I'm sure that that helped. And, you know, but he persevered and pushed through, and and here we are today, thanks to, in big part, to, to Jackie Robinson. So, you know, when that day comes around, I, I, you know, I post something on my personal Facebook page all the time, and, and we put something on the, on the website that it is my absolute most favorite day of the year to honor Jackie, uh, to honor his... Uh, uh, to the sport, what he did for the sport. And, you know, I just, you talk about, you have this list of people sometimes it's like, oh, if you could have dinner, sit down and have dinner with anybody in the world, living or dead, who would it be? And number one on my list is Jackie Robinson. Man, I would just love to sit and talk to him about what it was like back then for him and why didn't he give up and why didn't he, uh, just stop. It would have been easier. I probably would have, but that's why, I mean, there's a reason we have a day just for him. There's a reason that nobody else now wears the number 42 except for one day a year when everybody wears it. Everybody wears it. And, you know, it's, uh, it gives me goosebumps when I turn on the TV and I see everybody wearing 42. And I also applaud Major League Baseball that, um, I applaud Major League Baseball that if, if, that particular team gets rained out or something happens, well, you know what? Next day you play, you're still going to wear 42. So every person in Major League Baseball gets that honor of wearing 42 for one day. So I think that's a really cool 
thing that they do. Um, I applaud them for it. And starting next year uh, here at Travel Ball Select, we are actually going to create a 42 tournament at the Elizabethtown Sports Park in and around that April 15th date, um, the weekend before, weekend after, how it works out. But we're going to create that tournament, 42 tournament, for uh, everybody that plays that weekend. They will wear 42 as well. Um, We will create jerseys for every team that plays. And so those young men will get to wear 42 just like the big leaguers do. So that's something to look forward to next year. And in 2022, we'll get some information out to everybody on how that's all going to develop and work out. But that's something that you should mark on your calendars, be on the lookout for it. It's exciting. It's something I believe in, something that I'm, I'm passionate about and, and honoring Jackie and his commitment to the game and uh, his input on the game. So we're going to do that next year at the Elizabethtown Sports Park. The 42 tournament in April. So hopefully you guys will support that. And I think it's a good idea as much as I do. I think it's a a really good idea. So we'll see how that goes. Um, All right, on to the next one. We're going to talk about Sean Kazmar. Kazmar or is it Kazmir? Kazmar. Kazmar. Sean Kazmar Jr. And if you have no idea who that is, don't feel bad. And I had no idea who it was either. Neither did I. Um, But it's... We are going on back-to-back weeks or back-to-back uh, shows where we're on here and we have a, a story that we think that might be a movie someday. Um, and for those of you who don't know who Sean Kazmar Jr. is, um, he is with the Atlanta Braves organization now. He made his reappearance in the major leagues 12 years and 206 days apart from his last major league start in September of 2008. 12 years ago? Yes. How old were you 12 years ago? Uh, In September of 2008, I was sitting in a high school freshman class. High school. You were in high school. I was a freshman in high school. Just starting my freshman year of high school. You were a freshman in high school, and the last time that he appeared in a major league baseball game. And it's... Incredible. 12 years in the minors. The the first question for me is why? You know, we talked about Jackie Robinson not giving up. Sean never gave up. 12 years he spent in the minors, held on to that dream, held on to that hope that, you know, he was going to get called up to the majors. Yeah, and he holds, I think, just about every single record for – I can't remember the team name in Gwinnett, their AAA oh, affiliate. The, the I got to be careful here. It's the Stripers. Yes. Okay. I couldn't remember what the team name was. I knew it was some type of fish. Stripers, right? And people get it confused because they talk about the uh, the entertaining dancers that yeah. that frequent a particular location. So it's not that. It is the Stripers. But he, yeah, it's it's insane the amount of. Time that has gone between, he has the most games played, at bats, hits, RBIs, and I was listening to something. I guess pregame, I heard a clip um, from whoever was doing the broadcast, uh, and his. I guess they asked him that because I mean, 
everybody who knows somebody or has heard anything about the miners, all you really hear is about how much of a grind it is, a all grind. the long bus trips and all all that stuff. Um, and I guess Sean has two young boys, and he wanted to prove to them that he could make it back to the major leagues and prove basically prove to them that you know you persevere, you work hard, and you can achieve what you set your mind to. Not only is it a grind, but it doesn't pay very well. That is also true. You know, it's it's so he he literally is Crash Davis, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> he's Crash Davis. The real, yeah, just might be. And and for those of you that might live under a rock and not know who Crash Davis is, Crash Davis is from Bull Durham. He is the uh, the catcher for Bull Durham who holds minor league records for home runs and hits and. So forth in the movie, and if and if you've never seen the movie, oh my goodness, do yourself a favor, go see Bull Durham, or I can't go see it. It's like you're sounding at the movies. Watch Bull Durham. How's that? Watch Bull Durham. It is an absolute one of the best baseball movies ever made. You might uh, you might want to get an edited version though. It it might not be appropriate for children. Yeah, if you're watching it with the f- whole family, you might want to. Double check which version you got. Yeah, double check which version you got. But anyway, he is literally Crash Davis. I mean, he holds all the minor league records. And but I mean, what does that really get you? You hold the minor league record. I mean, is there is there a minor league Hall of Fame? Do we know? Is there a, is there a minor league Hall of Fame? I think that just falls into the baseball Hall of Fame because I don't think it's the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I think it's just the. Oh, that's that's a good point. So I think it just kind of falls under the same yeah. umbrella. But I, I wonder mean, if he has anything at the Hall of Fame. They might be sending the jersey he wore back to the Hall of Fame. He he is the. I looked this up because I thought it was interesting. Um, the nobody in the last four decades has had a longer stint between major league starts. It's the longest stint since Minnie Minoso, who had twelve years and sixty eight days, spanning sixty four to seventy six. Minnie Minoso. Yeah, and the the longest stretch was back in. Uh, the gap was spanned 1923 to 1945. So 22 years and two days is the longest stint out of the major leagues. So Sean, did he, that wasn't even the longest stint. No, but it's the longest. You're kidding me. Stint in, I mean, I'll rattle off when the longest ones ended. So it's 45, 34, 31, 45, 38, 45, 49, 29. 2021 2021 so it's been uh, quite some time since anybody's accomplished anything like this <laughs> so, i mean that that's that's incredible to think about it because there's not a lot of pain there's not a lot of pain when you're playing in the minor leagues you have to do everything yourself you got to carry your own bags you're probably sharing hotel rooms with other guys you're crammed on a bus you know driving from one town to the other and when you leave that town, you're driving to another one. It's not a glamorous life. And for him to stick it out for 12 years, and you said it hasn't been done in, in the last 40. Well, there's a reason for it. One, either you get called up to the majors, or two, you're like, I can't do this no more. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta leave. Well, yeah, and I guess the third would be you can't cut it. Or you can't cut it. Or you right. can't cut it. But it, I guess it's interesting if he's been on – he's been in AAA for – 12 years 12 years he's obviously doing something right um i guess just a matter of 
and it being the right time. And if you don't know what he did at his at bat, he finally gets his he gets called up. And there's no guarantees when you get called up. There's no guarantees you're going to enter the game. But they were playing the Cubs at Wrigley Field. The game was a blowout. Cubs were up big, and he gets the nod from his manager to go in there and get your at bat in the big leagues. Now, in his last call up, he was only in for defensive purposes, from what I understand. He never got in a big league at bat. So this time he gets the call, he gets a big league at bat. And we talked about how this is going to be made into a movie. And what do you think he does? Not what they're going to put in the movie. Not what they're going to put in the movie, right? And <laughs> the movie, I'm sure, is going to be he's going to hit a home run and and trot around the bases. With yeah, the they're going to put him in at the bottom of the ninth. And he's going to walk off Grand Slam and all that stuff. But that's what movies are made of. Yes. But he grounded into a double play. That's the way it rolls sometimes. So not only did you make one out in your at bat, you made two. <laughs> twelve you years. You waited twelve years and you made two outs in your one at bat. So, but you know what? I, I don't care. I bet you that he was on cloud nine. Um, I heard that his wife dropped everything and flew to the game. Yeah, his wife was there. I think his parents were there as well. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's and, one of those could be made into a movie someday story. That, yeah. And, and it's a feel good story. Yeah. So this gives us two weeks in a row, a feel good story coming out of the Braves organizations. So, you know, kudos to the Braves. You guys are doing things right over there in the state of Georgia my former home state. I'm, I'm proud to say that I lived there for almost four years and and happy to see that those guys are doing the right thing over there with those guys. And and hopefully he gets uh, another chance. I don't know if maybe he got – did he get sent back down already? I, I know he was coming up – one of the, the, the shortstop got hit, so they brought him Yeah, I think him they up. were in the middle of a, some transaction or something like that, and they needed a guy, and he happened to be the guy. So I wondered – do I wonder we should have looked this up before the show and man shame on me for not doing that but I wonder what does he get for pay wise for playing one game in the big leagues I mean that is that's something to think about all those years of you know grunting around on the bus and not making any type of money I wonder what one one paycheck for one day and the majors for him looks like. That's a good question. I don't know if I can find that that quick. You know, even if we can't find it by the time we get off the show today, we're, we'll we'll have that information for you guys next week when we come on the show. We're going to tell you what he made for his one at bat, one day in majors. But you know what, man? He, he's got to be on cloud nine. He's riding the bus. Oh, yeah. I wonder if he got off the bus and went to get his own bag. Because that's what he's used to. Probably did habit and people are telling him, no 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 don't worry about it somebody else will get it come on yeah but if you've been over 12 years and you get the call you're probably like no i'm gonna carry it because it got me up here and i'm gonna keep carrying it until they send me back down and then you go into the hotel right and you have your team meal uh, i mean i'm sure that is next level next level right it's gotta be next level to where you're on a minor league bus that might pull through a White Castle or something <laughs> for you for you to buy your own meal, right? <laughs> Who knows what that's gonna look like? Yeah. But yeah, this is totally different, right? When you when you finally get there, and then I'm sure if he did get sent back down, and, and he's gonna he's gonna miss it, and he's gonna I want back. Well, I guess don't we all? Yeah. Doesn't everybody? Well, congratulations to to Sean Casimir for living out the dream. Um, Kudos to you for sticking out that long and 
and staying with it. Man, I, I tell you, my hat's off to you. You know, and in my time at Travel Ball Select, I've been fortunate to have a few major league, former major league players come through the Travel Ball Select National Championships. And I make it a point to talk to every one of them uh, at some point in time and talk about specifically their journey, the things that they had to do to get there, to, to get to that next level. Some of them were up there for a short amount of time. Some of these players were made major impacts on their teams and long careers. And then, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not going to sit here and name drop anybody. Nobody cares about what who that is. But it, the stories that I found from these guys about their minor league experiences were fascinating to me. One of the players that I talked to, he says, Rick, I'm going to tell you something. Some of the best players in baseball are stuck in the minor leagues. And that didn't make sense to me. It, it didn't make sense to me that they were stuck in minor leagues. So I asked him to elaborate. I said, can you elaborate on that a little bit? And he said, sure. He said, you take, for example, for the New York Yankees or the Baltimore Orioles based on their day, we're talking about Derek Jeter. We're going to talk about Cal Ripken Jr. If you're a shortstop in those organizations at that time, where are you going? Triple A. Triple A. You're stuck in Triple A. So you're not going anywhere. And, you know, he referenced players like Miguel Cabrera back in his prime that he thought there was a guy in the minor leagues that was better than Cabrera, but he wasn't going anywhere. So my natural reaction when you hear that is, well, why don't they trade him? You got to keep him in case. You got to keep him in case. That's exactly what he said. You got to keep him in case. And, and you don't want to trade him to, and we'll use Miguel and the Tigers for an example. You don't want to trade him to a Cleveland or, or even if you don't trade him to Cleveland, you trade him to somebody who he ends up in Cleveland, in your division, and he ends up beating you. So he talked about that and about how it happens. A friend of mine was a catcher coming out of college. He was a Johnny Bench Award winner. Johnny Bench Award winner, which tells everybody you are the best catcher in college baseball. Number one, nobody's better than you. The two guys he beat out for that award that year were Matt Wieters and Buster Posey. Well, by judging by your face, you know who those two guys are, right? But the, the Johnny Bench Award winner that year was, was Ed Easley from Mississippi State. And he got drafted and he ended up in uh, Arizona and he was stuck behind Molina. He was stuck behind Molina. And so he's not going to go anywhere. Now, there's not that many catchers in Major League Baseball that are that can hit and play defense. Mostly if, if Major League Baseball, they're looking for catchers that can just call a game, catch a game, block pitches. If you can hit, it's a bonus, right? If you can hit, it's a bonus. So he finally gets the news, gets called in the office one day and says, you've been traded. He's sad because he's he spent a few years in Arizona, but he's also in the back of his mind, he's ecstatic. He's like, hey, maybe I get my shot now. You know, where am I going? Well, you're getting traded to the St. Louis Cardinals. Yikes. <laughs> From one Molina to another. Yeah, less than ideal. Yeah. 
So he got called up a few times in, in majors and got a you know proverbial cup of coffee, and finally he retired and and now runs a, a great baseball organization in Tennessee called Easily Baseball Club. And he has no regrets, you know, loves everything that he did, and now he's given back to the game, which is awesome for his part. But you know, it kind of reiterated hearing that story. Kind of reiterated what these other guys have been telling me all along is you got to be in the right situation. Yeah, and I mean, think about the case for Sean Kazmar. Like, okay, if you're a middle infielder for the Atlanta Braves, you're sitting behind Dansby Swanson, who was yep. number one overall pick. Yeah. And Ozzy Albies. Now, with the reason he got called up was because Albies. He got hit by a pitch, right? Yeah, so yeah, he was he out. So that, that was the transaction that had to, yeah. they had to figure out what they were going to do. So he, I guess, was the next guy up and. Here we go. We got a we got a nice story. Well, you know, kudos to Brian Snicker for for making that happen. The manager, right? Sometimes in that situation, they go down to Double A and pull that guy up um, instead of the Triple A guy for for whatever reason they want. Going back, and I know I'm jumping around here, but going back to what what the, these guys were telling me is, you're in Triple A a lot of times because they want you to work on things, hitting behind the runner. As a pitcher, that we want you to work on your changeup. We don't care if you give up twelve runs in a Triple A game. We don't care, but we want you to work on your changeup. So sometimes when these things happen and it's a quick fix, they'll just bounce down to the Double A team and bring it up and, and then leave the Triple A guy alone because he's maybe in the middle of working on something. So kudos to to Snitker for bringing him up and giving him that opportunity, man. That's something I'm sure he'll never forget. And I'm going to tell you, if it was me. The Braves ain't getting that uniform back. I'm just telling you that flat out. <laughs> they ain't getting it back. Take it out of my check. Uh, find me, charge me, whatever you got to do. That thing, You're not getting that uniform back. Not I'm just shot. telling you. Not a shot. Not a shot in the world are you getting that uniform back. Ain't happening. So, all right, let's get on to our last topic for the, for the evening. And this is something that we've talked about in other shows. Major League Baseball is kind of kind of bouncing around with some rules and some ideas to try to get people's interest in the game some more. And, and why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the latest one they've got coming out now? Yeah, so they have uh, two, you know, we previewed a couple episodes ago, the proposed rules changes for or experimental rules changes for different levels of minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, the proposed change for the second half of the Atlantic League season, which is the independent league where Major League Baseball likes to start all their crazy ideas. Um, they are going to be moving the pitching mound back a foot. A foot. 61 feet, 6 inches now is what they're going to move back to. That's the second half of the season. Not right now, right? Correct. So that won't go into effect until the beginning of August. Yeah, boy, I don't, I don't know when I think about this. Yeah, it's, it's tough because, like, the the – I mean, the rationale with basically every rule change that we have discussed on this show is they're trying to gas up the offense because it makes the game more exciting to the average fan to watch more Puts runs, fans more in the seats. Yeah. yeah. Puts, Puts fans, fans in the seats. seats. Yeah. Um, so I guess it does it work? Yes. I mean, the ball has to go farther, so it can't sustain the same speed over the same exact distance. I mean, I'm no rocket scientist, but I think I can do that math. Um, yeah, but, man, I, I just don't know how I feel about this. 
being a baseball purist, it's no, leave the game alone. But I understand why they're doing it. You know, the last time they they tinkered with the mound was in the 60s. They lowered it because Bob Gibson was was dominant at the height of the mound. The mound was higher and he's pitching downhill and so it's been since the 60s since they've messed with the mound and now they're talking about moving it back a foot. Boy, I I tell you, if I'm a pitcher, I'm not happy about this. I would imagine you're not because it's probably going to bump your ERA up Absolutely. And that's in turn going to affect your money and your maybe your chance to get to the big leagues and holy moly, I mean I'd be on a mass exodus out of that independent league if I was a pitcher. If I was a hitter, sign me up. Sign me up. You're going to give me an extra foot to see the ball? And I know people's like, oh, it's only a foot. Well, you know. Talking about a game of That's an eternity. You're talking about a game of inches. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a strange one. You know, I just don't know how that's going to feel because right now you got the pitcher's mound sitting in the middle of the diamond. You know, now you're back another foot. Does that give you let's, – let's think outside the box here. Is that giving you some kind of advantage to pick off to first, or? Well, yeah, that was that was the the discussion when we first saw this come, you know, across the wire. Um, was how does this change, you know, the base running, which obviously will impact. I mean, given the other rules changes that we talked about, that's one of the variations to increase offense is getting guys more aggressive on the base paths. But if you're a foot back, you probably got a better look out of your peripherals on where your guys where the guys, where the guys at. are at you probably you may have a better angle to throw to the bag so maybe keep guys a little a, more honest it's got to be a bigger advantage to the lefties as if they need a bigger advantage already <laughs> yeah i'm talking to all you lefties out there you guys all cheat and you know it so i don't want to hear it you guys all cheat you're a step closer to the first base bag and pitching and so i don't want to hear it from you guys you guys all cheat yeah Um, it'll be be interesting to see what the uh impact of it is i know base major league baseball has done some rick's favorite word analytics oh yeah Um, let let me hear those i'm dying to hear those so here's all the uh all the science for you i guess the context for how they're setting this up um, or making this argument is that the average fastball velocity in 2021 is the highest ever recorded at 93.4. I believe it. I, I absolutely believe it. Makes sense. Um, the strikeout rate is also at the highest ever with 9.5 per nine innings. Now, <clears throat> that I think is a product of their own self creating the launch angle aspect of it and people are changing their swings and i think therefore you're going to see more strikeouts Wait, and there's so, other, yeah like you're saying there's other things baked into yeah, that that one number. there's a little bit something in there the velocity one hey listen i can believe it the way these guys are throwing now but the the strikeouts there's more to it than just the velocity of the pitcher so the projections according to major league baseball's data is that the pitch will look so basically, the average velocity in 2020 was 93.3 miles an hour. They're saying if they move it back a foot, that the average fastball velocity will look more like what it did in 2010 at 91.6. In that same, you know, 2020 to 2010, there were 8,500 fewer strikeouts. Mm. 
So you're taking what, one and a half miles an hour off the ball. Yeah, but that stat doesn't doesn't resonate with me. I'll buy something else. But I just think it's everybody's changing their swing now. That's why I think striking. Well, so they're saying, given the split second, every yeah. every inch matters. Every foot would give the hitters an extra one one hundredth of a second to react, and that one one hundredth of a second is enough to reduce projected swing and misses by two point two percent. That's it, two percent, two percent. But if I mean two percent, that that doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot if you're going to mess with the the mound. You're messing with it to get a two percent difference. It doesn't seem worth it to me. Yeah, but I, I guess it's all kind of that's kind of in the aggregate. I guess where, I guess over the course of the year, does is there two point two percent more hits? Is there two percent more? You know, is there? I don't know. Obviously, not every so, hit scores. Is there one point two percent more runs? So the two point two percent is just on swing and misses, right? Correct. That's just on swing and misses. Which I guess it means they're saying that two point two percent more that the ball is going to be hit and put into play. I or made contact with put, gives it a higher likelihood of getting put in play, which is the you know action that I guess they are trying to in, in, instigate, which is you know the bane of every pitcher's existence. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I thought it would have been higher than that if they're going to mess with something. It would have been higher. I, honestly, I, I would have thought up around five percent. Or why fool with it? I mean, that, man, I'm I'm a little I'm even more disappointed now. That it's coming up this way because I, I thought it would it would be a, a greater difference maker. Yeah, well, I guess the other two things are well, I guess the last you know interesting stat that they referenced here was well two interesting stats and then the interesting part that there was no of different they a study looked at a bunch of college pitchers who threw from you know several different distances and they found that moving it backwards the likelihood of you know any effect on their biomechanics or injury risk is virtually nada. Yeah, I can good. believe that. I, I can believe that. The uh, more interesting part is the, you know, we always, it's, you know, 60 feet, six inches, but depending on where the catcher sets himself up, guys could be throwing an extra three feet according to what I have in front of me. Oh, sure. Oh, I get that. So I get if, that. If you I guess you, if your guy is sitting way far back, yeah. he's sitting three feet back. If you move the mound back a foot, the catcher moves up a foot, you're basically throwing the same dang thing. Yeah. So it all kind of. Yeah, I can get that. I, you know, I don't, I don't buy into the whole, you know, moving it back a foot is going to make that much, you know, difference. And, oh, they're going to be more arm injuries. Nah, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Not, not at their level. I mean, they. These guys are going to throw it through a brick wall. Yeah. But you know what? I don't know why this just popped in my head. It's kind of crazy. Where did 60 feet, 6 inches come from to start with? It's probably, I don't know. I mean, why did Common it sense up? would say it's the center of the diamond, but. Why, why would they come up with that, that distance? I don't think it is, though. I think it, from home plate to second base is one I should know this. I did know this at one time. Is it 123 feet or 118 feet? Home plate to second base is... Let's see. This says... Nope, that's the running route. Um, 127 
and three three eighths of an one twenty seven. So it's one, I was I was off on both things. So it's one hundred twenty seven feet. So that's not halfway. It's not halfway to the to the second base. So I wonder where that came up with. It's kind of like basketball. Why is the hoop ten feet in the air? Right. It just, one, it just, they these, just these things that have been around forever. We just yeah. kind of grew to accept them. Didn't ask any questions. Them. Just why, it, why? It is it, the way it is. Why is it ninety feet to first base? <laughs> why not ninety five feet? Or you know what? Yeah, it's just the way we've all grown up with it. We haven't messed with the game. And sixty feet six inches has been the mound distance. I got to believe back in the old days that they just said. They just walked it off and said, we're going to pitch from here. <laughs> and here we go. <laughs> we're at 60 feet, six inches. I mean, you can say that for any sport. You know, why is the, the soccer goal as wide as it is or the hockey net? Why is it as wide as it is? Yes, but those are the questions that us regular fans don't really ask because we're just happy to watch the game. Who came up with the size of the baseball? Well, I guess that depends on what year you're talking about, right. I guess. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Well, um, you got anything else to add? Any more, any more facts or anything there for the? I think that's about it. If anybody, I googled it and on why it's sixty feet six inches, and I got a very random answer that I don't, I don't believe. So I'm gonna, we'll defer to you, you guys that are saving for another day. Yeah, watching and listening. Uh, if you do know the answer, uh, you can. If you know the correct answer, Maybe, I should say. The cor- right, correct answer. And if it's on the internet, it's got to be true. So remember that. Too, well, right? according, well, according <laughs> to this, uh, this says that someone misread the distance on the blueprints, so they installed it at 60 feet, 6 inches, instead of 60 feet, 0 inches. So I don't know if that's right. That'd I can be, buy it. That would be so amazing. Coincidence. I know. That, isn't, that, isn't that something how that, <laughs> that comes on? It, yeah, it just happened all the way back 100-something years ago, and we just said, you know what? We'll just leave it. Maybe, uh, maybe we'll do a show on why things why are, things the, are way the way they are. Not just baseball, you know, basketball goals and, and highlights and everything else. Yeah, we'll leave that for an off-season <laughs> episode. Well, that'll wrap us up for tonight. I want to thank you for tuning in and joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did and as we do hosting the show. Um. Don't forget that we are taking submissions for our top plays of the month of April. You can send those to the athletics. I'm sorry, the lineup at athletics.com. We'll have that show two weeks from tonight, right here at seven o'clock. We'll we'll unveil our top ten plays from April. But until then, I am your host, Rick Goff, joined by my producer and co-host for tonight, Anthony Grassi. I'm gonna leave you with a follow-up to my good friend. Uh, Chris Elliott, if you want to put that back up on the screen, I'd appreciate it. Um, I lost a good friend tonight, and uh, he will be sorely missed by everybody. Chris Elliott, I know you're in a better place, brother, and uh, my heart goes out to your family and friends back in Michigan. And uh, to everyone else, thank you for tuning in. Have a good night.